Amen. It's so good to be in church this morning. I'm just so thankful for the nice weather this week and for God moving in this place. I'm excited to jump back into the Gospel of Mark series today. We've taken a three-month break. I'm really pumped to be back in that. But before we jump in, just want to say, if you're new today, we are so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. We just want to honor you because I know it's a big deal to check out our church for the first time. So thanks for being here. And yeah, I pray that this would be a great day for you. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn... Or turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Like I said, we're continuing our sermon series on Mark, and we've been working verse by verse through this book, and we are starting week 16 today. Okay, so we got 15 weeks in in 2021. Now we're starting on week 16. The plan right now is to be in the gospel Mark until September. We'll see what happens. Maybe the Lord will change that, but that's our plan. And the reason why we're going verse by verse through a book of the Bible is we want to be a church that is absolutely saturated in the scriptures. The scriptures are the authority of our church, and we want to be saturated in them. We don't avoid certain scriptures. We don't avoid certain topics, but instead we want to have a holistic understanding of God's word. He has given us the entire word of God to be able to train us and equip us, and we want to know what the word of God says. So truly, we want these Sundays to be a demonstration of how you can read the Bible and interpret it on your own time as well. We hope that it enhances your day-to-day reading of the word as we kind of model how you can interpret the scripture. And to understand today's passage, we have to back up and recall the last two sermons of the gospel, Mark, which is really an important principle in your Bible reading is you need to know the context of what a scripture is put in. And, and these last two sermons have been critical in setting up today's sermon. So on November 14th, if you remember that Sunday, which I doubt you do, but, but on that Sunday, we looked at Mark chapter 3, verse 20 through 35, and we saw that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness is ruled by Satan, who's strong and powerful, so much so that, that Jesus refers to him as the ruler of this world in the gospel of John, and Paul does the same in some of his scriptures. But then there's the kingdom of light, which is ruled by Jesus, and he's actually more strong and more powerful than Satan Every person on earth, every person is in one of these two kingdoms. You can't be in both, and there's no third option. There's not like the kingdom of dusk or dawn, right? You're either in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. But the good news is Jesus can rescue anyone who wants to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness. He can come and as or the language that he uses, come and plunder the devil's house and free you from that house. And we saw that if we want that to happen, if we want to be in the kingdom of light, we need to submit to the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. He needs to be the authority in our lives. We need to let him be king. But then in our last message on November 21st, uh, we started chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And this is where Jesus shares his first of several parables in the gospel of Mark. Parables are just stories that illustrate kingdom realities. Okay, so Jesus, he often taught in these parables, and they seem to be his preferred form of teaching. And we looked at the parable of the sower, which is the parable that kind of explains all the other parables. It kind of explains how how parables and how Jesus' ministry works. It shows why some people respond positively to Jesus and some people respond negatively to Jesus. And and really, the reason for that is the state of our hearts. The state of our hearts is going to determine how we respond to Jesus. The kingdom that that we're a part of is going to determine how we respond to Jesus. And we saw that Jesus chose to teach in these parables. He, he chose to kind of teach in this veiled way because he wanted to make the dividing line very clear between those who are in the kingdom of darkness and those who are 
in the kingdom of light. In other words, he wanted to make it clear who had the soft hearts and who had the hard hearts. As he was just kicking his ministry off and he needed to wait till the proper time for his message to get out, he wanted to make sure that the people that said they were with him were truly with him. So he kind of made it hard to be a part of his crew. And his disciples, they really didn't understand this. They're like, hey, this is uh, supposed to be good news. Don't we want to get this out to as many people as possible? They wondered, Jesus, are you trying to hide yourself from people? Do you not want people to be in the kingdom? And Jesus responds to their questions today in our passage in verse 21 through 25. So let's look at it. The, the question is, does Jesus want to hide his kingdom from people? Well, let's look. It says this in verse 21. It says, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest and nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Okay, so the sermon title this morning is Pay Attention. Pay Attention. All right, so who's been enjoying the weather this last week? Who's enjoyed that? I had a good Tuesday night. I was like the peppiest guy in Cedar Falls. I was like, come on, this is amazing. We are going to grill out. We are going to run around our yard, and it's going to be a good day. I tell you, that Abram, he tries to run to the neighbor's yard every night. I'm like, dude, I ain't going to be able to come outside with you if I'm chasing you around the yard every day. But it's been a good time. But a couple weeks ago when we had a nice day, it was probably two weeks ago, Jane and I went for a walk, and we ended the walk in our backyard. We kind of wrapped around, came through the backyard, and she found this little toy. It's like this gun that blows bubbles. Oh, it works. I didn't think it actually worked. There you go. So, boo. She found it, and it had been buried under, or buried under the snow all winter. And my first thought was, that thing looks nasty. We need to throw it away. I'm not even, like I said, I wasn't sure that it worked anymore. But Jane, on the other hand, she acted like she found some lost treasure. She picked it up. She hoisted it above her head in the air, proudly proclaiming that she found her long-lost toy, and she rushed inside to tell Emily, Mom, look what I found outside. And for many of us, our journey with Jesus is similar to the story of the toy. For part of our lives, Jesus' message is hidden from us. It's veiled. We don't really understand it. It's like the toy before the snow melts. It's hidden. And we either don't hear it at all, or we hear it, but it just doesn't really make any sense to us. But at some point, someone will share the message of Jesus with us where it actually makes sense and we begin to understand it. The snow kind of melts around the message and we begin to see it. The message becomes clear. And when this happens, we have a choice whether or not we're going to pay attention to what he's saying or to his message and embrace the truth or if we're going to shrug it off, okay? So we can either be like, like Jane and be like, yes, I, I see the truth. I'm embracing it for my life. This toy, this message is amazing. Or be like me and be like, I don't really care about that. Let's throw that away. But this doesn't only apply to seeing the kingdom of God for the first time, but it also applies throughout your Christian journey with Jesus. There's going to be some revelations that he gives you, some things that, that maybe you didn't understand before. He's going to challenge you to obey him in a new way. And when that happens, we are always faced with a decision. We're either going to listen to him or we're going to ignore him. So the question this morning is when this happens, what is your response to Jesus? What's your typical response? Do you pay attention to him? Do you pay attention to Jesus? Like Jane, again, do you hoist his message above your head and you're like, I'm applying this to my life? Or do you just 
or simply shrug him off and ignore the revelation. And your response to this question of if you pay attention to Jesus, your response to this question might be the most important thing about your life. And we see this clearly in our passage this morning. Let's unpack it again, verse by verse. We're going to kind of move through it. And honestly, I struggled to understand this text this week. It took a few days of prayer and study, but I believe as we unpack it, we're going to understand what Jesus is trying to say. Okay, so verse 21 and 22, it says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Hold on one second. I lost my place. There we go. Or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light. These verses actually seem like they're contradicting what he just said in verses 10 through 12. I don't know if you remember verses 10 through 12, but in those verses, Jesus said that the secret of the kingdom of God was only to be given to those who followed him, but to everyone on the outside, it was hidden. Jesus, again, kept his message veiled from those who were unwilling to submit to him and join the kingdom of light, until the proper time. He knew that if his message got out too quickly, one of two things could happen. One, he could get crucified way too early because the Roman authorities would be mad that he's going around proclaiming the kingdom of God and they would put him on a cross way before his disciples were ready for that to happen. Or two, even worse, people could have set him up as a king and said, hey, you are the king, and they could have tried to sack Rome because people were already trying to do that, and Jesus operated with power, and that's not what he came to do. Jesus did not come to set up an earthly kingdom. That wasn't really his concern, so he kept it veiled until the proper time. But here in verse 21 and 22, Jesus shows us that this hiddenness is only for a brief time. There will be a day when the word will get out to everyone. Just like a lamp, the light of Jesus will shine. Just as you wouldn't go to the store, go to at home or home goods or wherever you go and buy a lamp and put it in your closet and say, let's light up the closet. Just as you wouldn't do that, Jesus' message is not meant to be hidden. The good news, the gospel, the euangelion, as we've talked about several times in the gospel of Mark, it is meant to get out. That message has to get out to as many people as possible. And this is Mark's version of of John's statement in the Gospel of John, where Jesus says it, but in the Gospel of John, where Jesus says that he is the light of the world. The whole point of the kingdom of God is for it to shine. We want the kingdom to shine. And we know now that the kingdom really began to shine after Jesus died and rose again. And then he commissioned his disciples to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. They began to take the gospel to hostile communities. They began to baptize people, set up churches. They began to boldly take the gospel forward. They knew that it was supposed to shine. The heart of Jesus is not for his kingdom to be secret, but for people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to hear it and to submit to him. So that's the first point this morning. Jesus and the secret of his kingdom will be revealed. Despite what he said in verses 10 through 12, it will be revealed. The light needs to shine. And we are living in a time where this has already begun to happen. Obviously, for the last 2,000 years, the light of Jesus has, has shined to the ends of the earth. But we're still in the process of this. We're still in the process of getting this message out to all the peoples of the earth. We must partner with God in revealing the secret of his kingdom to as many people as will hear it. And that's why kingdom builders is so important. The message of Jesus has to get out. And it's our job to do several things. It's our job to, to send people out, to pray for people, to give financially to people, but also for us to take the gospel to the streets ourselves here in the Cedar Valley. 
While God is the one who must reveal his kingdom to our heart, he's the one who does that. We have a responsibility to partner with him. So with that said, we must be a church that shines the light of Jesus. Through Jesus, forgiveness of sins has been made available. That's been made available. Through Jesus, the powers of darkness have been defeated. Through Jesus, eternal life has been made possible. Death does not have to have the final word. And this news must get out. When I think about God revealing himself to people, I think about the relationship of J.R.R. Tolkien, and I think that's how you say his last name, and C.S. Lewis, okay? So these two were, were giants in literature in the middle of the 20th century. So, so Tolkien, he wrote The Lord of the Rings, if you're a nerd like me and you like that kind of stuff. And Lewis wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, okay? So when their friendship began, Tolkien was a committed Christian and Lewis was an atheist, over time, though, the Lord began to reveal himself to C.S. Lewis, and he eventually decided, okay, I'm going to believe in God. I'm at least going to come that far and say I believe in God. He hadn't yet embraced Christianity, but he came to believe in God. And then sometime after that, Tolkien and Lewis had a conversation in the middle of the night. They're on a walk, having a conversation that convinced Lewis to consider Christianity in a way that he never had before, and he ended up giving his life to Jesus just a few days after that. After his conversion, he began writing in a way that reflected his faith and pointed people to Jesus. He's written books on discipleship, apologetics. He, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia after this. And his works have arguably had the most profound effect on the world for Christ in the last 70 or so years. But it all started with God revealing the truth of the kingdom to him and then Tolkien doing his part to try to bring C.S. Lewis along as well. The point is the good news about Jesus is meant to get out both globally and in each individual's heart. The kingdom's not supposed to be a secret, and it's our job to partner with God to help bring his kingdom to, or bring the secrets of his kingdom to as many people as possible. But he goes on, well, verse 22 again, I want to read it because there's something else from here that I think we need to get this morning if we're going to understand this passage. It says this again, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, and nor is anything secret except to come to light. Okay, so the saying of Jesus, this saying of Jesus is recorded in Matthew and Luke. It's actually recorded in Luke twice, and they're in different contexts. So for Luke, in Luke 8, he, he quotes the same thing, the same exact uh, series of verses there. But in his other quote in Luke 12, he says it in a different way. He, he puts verse 22 in the context of a different saying. Okay, so I want to read this because I think it's going to help us understand what Jesus is, is getting at here. It says this in verse 1 through 3. And this is Jesus. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And then he says, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. Okay, so again, what he's saying in verse 22, or hidden that will not be known. And therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the, on the housetops. Okay, so Jesus, he's telling the Pharisees, you cannot put on a religious show forever. Your sin will be found out. People will know who you really are. He's calling them out. So when Jesus says that his light will reveal the hidden things, he's not only saying that the kingdom will be revealed, he's saying we will be revealed. Our hearts will be revealed. Okay, so that's the second thing you need to write down. The secrets of our hearts are going to be revealed. They will be revealed. So while on this earth, many of us are able to keep secrets. Many of us are able to put on a mask or put on a front to other people and act like we're someone we're not. But in the age to come, we will stand before God and our lives will be judged. 
Okay, so Paul says this in Acts 17. He's preaching in Athens, which was a very paganistic city with lots of different beliefs. He says this, he says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who is Jesus, whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God, he sees all of our lives and we will have to give an account to him either in this life, sometimes he lets our sin be found out in this life, or if not, if we're able to keep it secret, in the next. And part of Jesus' work is to enable people to come out of hiding, to come out of the darkness now and come into the light so that they can receive healing. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. He's saying, come out of the darkness, come into the light. Because of Jesus, we don't have to be con- or condemned for our sins, but we can be healed if we'll only confess them and bring them to God and to others. It's better that we own our sin now and repent so that we can be, re- be restored than try to hide it and let either God reveal it now to other people or face his judgment in the next life. The point is, you can't run from God. That's what Jesus is saying. And you can't keep secrets from him. Everything will be revealed, and not just secrets from him, but from anybody. You will be found out. Your life will be exposed, whether in this life or the next. So that's an encouraging word this morning. Come on, somebody, you're like, amen, all my secrets are going to be found out before God. Okay, so, so with that in mind, Jesus, he urges us to respond to his kingdom now and not wait another day. He says this in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, do you have ears to hear? I hope you're not one of those people that goes like this, I don't want to hear it. If I don't hear it, it's not real. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Okay, so he urges us to pay attention. Do not take my words lightly is what he's saying. This is life or death. Our response to Jesus' words is probably the most important thing we'll ever do. And when he tells us to pay attention, he's not just saying to hear as in, oh, I heard you, Jesus. That's good stuff. He's saying to listen. He's saying to truly let it change you. It's not just like hearing a sermon or hearing the Bible read. Jesus is not just telling us, go and acquire more knowledge. During Jesus' life, many people heard his message or his words, but only a few actually listened to them and followed him. He only had 120 followers when he left the earth. And today, many, many people intellectually believe in the truths of Christianity without actually listening to Jesus. Jesus is saying, listen to me in such a way that it changes your life. He's saying, you need to let my words lead you into a whole new way of living. It's urgent that you do so. There will be a day when secrets are revealed and we are judged based on our response to Jesus. And we've got to be sure that our hearts are soft and open to Jesus' words and not resistant to him. We need to repent of that. When we resist him, we need to say, God, I'm resisting you right now. Help me. We need to put that before him and say, God, I don't want to resist you. Help me with that. Okay, so the third point is we must listen to Jesus. We must listen to him and submit to him. At the end of the day, we will each either receive Jesus and listen to him or ignore Jesus. And those who accept him are in the kingdom of light. See, it all goes together, right? They're in the kingdom of light. And those who resist him are in the kingdom of darkness. And the decision to actually listen and pay attention to him has weighty consequences for both this life and for the next life. When I was in high school, I went golfing for the first time 
with my dad and a few other people, and I was not very good. I'm still not good. I've played like four times since, but I do have clubs, though. They sit out in my garage, and they gather dust. So if you want to go golfing this summer, I'm not going with you, but hey. But anyways, one of the things that they told me was to be careful and stay out of the way when someone's driving, okay? Don't be in the way. Don't get hit by a ball. I heard them, but I didn't actually listen. About halfway through our round, I was walking towards my ball. I was far off the the fairway. I mean, I was way off to the side, but my dad was driving, which he slices the ball pretty bad sometimes. Okay, he's just got, he's a crazy guy, okay? So I'm walking, having fun, enjoying my first day golfing, and all of a sudden I hear four, and I feel something in my back, like, oh, and man, that hurt so bad. But I'll tell you, after I got hit in the back, I definitely listened in the future, stay out of the way, right? If only I had, or if only I had paid attention in the first place, I could have avoided a lot of pain. And the same is true in our journey with Jesus. It's essential that we pay attention to him, that we listen to him in such a way that it actually affects our lives. And when we don't listen to him, we will reap pain and destruction. Just picture a golf ball being driven at your back, okay? That's what we're trying to avoid by listening to him. But when we listen to him, we will step into the life that we're meant to live. Okay, so Mark 8, Jesus says this, or not Mark 8, sorry, Mark 4, verse 24 through 25. He, he goes on here. We're going to go to Mark 8 in a minute, but, but let's continue the passage here. It says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And I just have to say, my dad's a great golfer. He's right here, okay? He's amazing, so don't think he's bad. Anyways, I just want to honor him. Honor your father and mother. You will live a long life if you do so. You are an amazing golfer. All right, let's keep moving. Okay, so this saying, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. This saying is kind of a funny saying in the Greek. It's actually saying literally, saying with the measure you use, it will be measured. Okay, what does that mean? Well, a way that that could be translated is to say the measure in which you measure out or give out or use up, it will be measured back to you or back unto you. Okay, so this verse is used elsewhere in the New Testament. Again, Jesus is saying he uses them often. In two contexts it's used in is in giving. We talked about that a bit during Pastor Derek's sermon way back in February on generosity, but also in judging other people. If you judge others, you're going to be judged. If you give, it will be given unto you. This saying essentially means what you give is what you're going to get. In other words, the kingdom of God, or in the kingdom of God, the people who give the most will have the most. I'm not talking about finances right now. I'm just saying in general, those who give the most have the most, or in this context, the ones who pay attention to Jesus the most will get the most back. It seems that Jesus is trying to tell us that the more you understand his teaching, obey it, and apply it to your life, the more you do that, the more you're going to get from it, and the fuller your life will be. But if you're careless with his words, if you're apathetic, if you don't obey, if you try to control your life and you don't surrender it to him, then you're not going to experience the life-giving power of his kingdom. And T. Wright says this, if they grasp what Jesus is saying and go deeper and deeper into it, they will get more and more from it. But if they remain at the superficial level, like the uncomprehending crowds, they will lose even the sense of God doing something new in their midst, which they have at the present. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you can't just be like a superficial follower of me. You have to actually listen. If you're superficial, you're going to lose what you have. For those who 
embrace the truths of Jesus and apply it to their lives and share it with other people, those people will gain so much. They will receive the kingdom. Those who are all in with Jesus get so much in return. But for those who try to keep Jesus at arm's distance and preserve their life and their sense of ownership over their lives, they're, they're going to lose even the little bit of Jesus that they have. We need to be careful as salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. I, I believe that that's the word of God, right? We can't earn our salvation. But generally speaking, people of the light are people who listen attentively to Jesus. And the only way to go the distance in our faith is to be wholehearted in our commitment to Jesus and give it all for him. If you perpetually resist him or ignore him or hoard your life from him and other people, then you're not going to be able to walk in the kingdom of light. He says it this way in Mark 8, verse 34 through 35. And calling the disciples, or calling the crowd to him with his disciples, <coughs> he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. The way to life is to give up your life. It's to surrender your life. It's to embrace the words of Jesus and obey them and pour yourself out for God and others. It's utter attempted, or attentiveness and obedience to Jesus. Okay, so the last thing I want you to write down, if we listen and submit to Jesus, we will find life. This is such a contrary message to what our world preaches right now. The world says that if you want a full life, look out for you. Take care of yourself, and you should take care of yourself, hear me, but I'm just saying, it's like, put yourself before everybody else. If you want to be happy, don't concern yourself too much with other people. Let them do you, and you do me. The priority of your life is your happiness. That's the message, that's the gospel that the world preaches right now. What the world misses is that the way to joy and to full life is not to put yourself before others and determine truth for yourself. It's not to say, I'm going to decide for myself what's truth and what's not. It's not to say, I'm going to just put myself before everyone else or before everyone else, is actually to surrender to God, to let him determine truth for your life and live in utter obedience to him and to put other people before yourself. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The way to greatness is humility. The way to life is not control, but surrender. Can I get an amen, somebody? Come on, that's good. It's not to hoard, but to give. It's not to ration out your love, but it's to pour it out. The more you give, the more you're actually going to get back. To summarize our passage as a whole, there will be a day when everything that is secret will be revealed. The secret of the kingdom of God will be revealed. The word about Jesus and his kingdom will get out as Jesus' disciples take the gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation. As we continue to work towards that goal, it's going to happen. Eventually, on the last day, the secret of his kingdom will be revealed to every individual as he is revealed as Jesus is revealed to be the Lord over the entire cosmos. Come on, somebody. We get to be a part of making that happen. But not just that, the secrets of our hearts are going to be revealed. And we're going to stand before God and we're going to be judged. And when this happens, our allegiance will be revealed. We will either be found to be in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. There's no third option. The question that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is asking us today is how do you want that day to go for you? Do you want to be able to stand before God as his child or as his enemy? If you listen to Jesus and receive him, you will get the right to become a child of God. 
It says that in John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, he, he gave the right to become children of God. If you let his words animate your life, then you'll receive far more from God than you could ever give. You'll be brought into his family. You'll be called his son or daughter. You'll be forgiven for your sins. You'll get a new heart and a new spirit, and you'll be welcomed into eternal life. But if you resist Jesus, if you ignore him and reject him, you will remain his enemy. We were born that way. It was our choice, not his. We've chosen to be his enemy, and you'll remain that way. You will be in the kingdom of darkness, and even the little that you had in this life will be taken from you. As we think about how this passage affects our lives, I think there's really two things. One's for people who don't follow Jesus yet, and one is for those who do follow Jesus. So for those of you who haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you need to do that, okay? That's what the passage really is calling us to do. Jesus is not asking you to climb a spiritual ladder. He's not asking you to clean up your life. He's not asking you to perform religiously or or just be nicer to people. That's not what he's asking you to do. He doesn't need you to do anything, actually, because he's already done everything for you on the cross and through his resurrection. Salvation is a gift. The kingdom of God is a gift. Even though you were born sinful and separated from God, Jesus loved you so much that he came to earth to rescue you. Through his perfect life and through his sacrifice on the cross, you can receive both forgiveness from your sins and, and be washed from your sins, And also, you can have the perfect life of Jesus put on you. Like, you can put that on yourself. You can say, it covers me completely. If you receive Jesus, when God looks at you, he won't see your junk, but he'll see the perfect life and the sacrifice of Christ. His blood pays for your sin, and his perfect life is credited to your account. That's good news this morning. But not just that. Through the resurrection of Christ, you can receive a new heart, and a new spirit and be offered eternal life. The Holy Spirit, so God himself, can come to live on the inside of your heart. You can step into a new and amazing kingdom. All you got to do to be saved is surrender to Jesus. You just have to say, Jesus, you are king. All you got to do is pay attention and let him be king in your life. Give up control and let him lead you. Don't be like the crowds. Don't be like the crowds who resisted his words. Don't be like the people who didn't pay attention to him, said, oh, I'll listen to Jesus later when I'm older or whatever. Don't be like those people. Receive the kingdom of God today. The day of salvation is here. Receive it today. Don't wait another day. Pay attention. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. But the second thing, for those who have already begun to follow Jesus, which I'm assuming is most of us here, it's very, very important that we continue to listen to Jesus even after we receive salvation. For so many of us, we let our journey with Jesus kind of start and end at salvation. Like, hey, I'm out of hell. That's great. And then we kind of stop. But we have to listen to Jesus in such a way that it changes us day in and day out. He wants to speak to you. He is your good shepherd. He is speaking to you. He wants to speak to you. But it's important that we listen. Jesus is not just looking to get you into heaven. That's not even like like the main thing he's trying to do. He's trying to get heaven into you. He's trying to help you become like him. And the way that happens is by listening to him. So so just as students who understand the material typically listen attentively to their teachers and ask questions and they study, just as they do that, we must sit under Jesus and listen to him attentively so that we can truly learn and truly understand his ways. And if we don't understand, we need to ask him. We need to say, hey, I want to be a good and faithful servant, right? I want Jesus to say that to each of us on the last day, well done, good and faithful servant. As James says in chapter two of his letter, he says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. 
I pray that we would be doers of the word in this house. We do the word of God. We hear it and we apply it to our lives, not because we're trying to earn something, but because we love Jesus so much and we want to be the people he's called us to be. If there's something that Jesus has already told you to do, don't wait another day. Do it today. The only way that the day of secrets being revealed to you is going to be good for you is if you pay attention to Jesus. If you pay attention to him, if you take his words to heart, the secrets being revealed, the secrets of the kingdom being revealed will be an amazing day of salvation for us. And the secrets of our hearts being revealed will not be a source of condemnation or shame, but actually a source of joy as we get to celebrate that Jesus has already covered those secrets. He's covered those sins. We've already received forgiveness. We've already brought it out to the light, and he has forgiven us. We are free from those things, right? We don't have to be ashamed or hide it. We can say, yeah, that's who I was, but, but Christ has paid for that, and he has brought me into a new life. The main idea this morning is this. Kingdom people pay attention to Jesus. Kingdom people pay attention to Jesus. In the spring of 2015, I was preparing to return to Cedar Falls to lead Chi Alpha, and I was trying to recruit people to be a part of it. And my brother Derek was going to college at the time, so I'm like, hey, my brother, he's definitely going to come. Like, I can convince him. And I remember sitting in our living room back at my parents' house. He's laying on the couch. I'm like, Derek, what are you going to do next year? Where are you going to go to school? And he's like, I don't know. They talked to me. I don't know. Eventually decided to go to North Central University so he could study for worship leading um, because he wanted to go into ministry. And I think he had several reasons for that. But I think one of those reasons, I don't think he wanted to follow his brother around, which I think makes sense. Uh, So he went to Minneapolis and he, he started his first semester there. And in September of that year, I asked him to come down to our Chi Alpha Fall Retreat. And he came. I think the main reason was I told him Taylor was going to be there and he, and he thought she was cute. But he came. Taylor's his wife, if you didn't know that. And this is my brother Derek right here doing worship leading. But, uh, but he was compelled by the secular college students at the Fall Retreat just going after Jesus. His heart was just like burning in his chest. I don't think just for that, but also for Taylor. But that's okay. I'll take, I'll take both. But, but shortly after that, he felt like the Lord was telling him to move to Cedar Falls to be part of Chi Alpha. It didn't make sense as he wanted to go into ministry, so that didn't change. He actually wanted to go into ministry even more so, and he would be leaving Bible college. Like, that's like the stupidest thing in the world, right? But he walked in obedience. He listened to Jesus, and I'm sure glad that he did. For the, for the next four years, he, he worked hard to reach his fellow students at UNI, some of which are sitting in this room right now. And I got to invest in him deeply and spend time with him almost every day. In 2019, when God called us to start preparing to plant the church, it wasn't a question of who would be the next director of Chi Alpha UNI. It was easy. I'm like, yeah, Derek's ready. Derek and Taylor are ready to step into this. They are ready to be the directors of Chi Alpha. And also when I was trying to decide who's going to lead worship, that wasn't hard either. I'm like, Derek is an amazing worship pastor and he can do that for our church. But it all started with listening to Jesus. It almost seemed like Derek was going backwards, like going away from Bible college but he still got to where God wanted him to get. And actually, it probably opened up more doors for him to come here. He's doing both worship and leading the Chi Alpha. But it started again with listening to Jesus. And God has richly blessed him for it, and he's reached so many people through it. Chi is having its best year ever. It's not even close. He's making me look like a chump. I'm like, come on, man. I'm just playing. But, uh, but we must make sure that we pay attention to Jesus, no matter how crazy his words are. As we consider our passage this morning, let me return to the original question. Are you paying attention to Jesus? 
So maybe you're here this morning and you've been carrying some bitterness in your heart towards somebody who's hurt you deeply. And God's been calling you to forgive that person, but for some reason you just can't seem to do it. This morning, I wanna encourage you to pay attention to the words of Jesus. He wants you to forgive that person, not because it's gonna do anything for them, but because he wants to do something for you. He wants your heart to be clean. So if you brought in bitterness this morning, I, I pray that you would forgive that person. Or maybe you have given into a spirit of self-centeredness. You've bought into the lie that life is all about you. You bought into the lie that life is about your happiness. And you failed to realize that the way up in the kingdom of God is down. The way to finding your life is to lose your life. This morning, humble yourself before Jesus. Pay attention to his words. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. I can like hear the urgency in his voice as I read this. Whoever will just lose your life, if you'll just give it to me, you'll actually save it. Instead of wondering what's in it for you in life, think about how you can serve Jesus and others and you're gonna find the best life that, that you could ever come up with. Or maybe the Lord has been calling you to take a step of faith. He's saying, step out of that boat, take a step of faith and do something that's outside of your comfort zone. You like to hang out in your comfort zone, as do I, right? But he's calling you to stop resisting the Holy Spirit and just be obedient, no matter how crazy it sounds. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. If God is telling you to step into something, pay attention to him, do it and trust him. The Lord has so much more for you. He has so much more for you. He has dreams for you that, you know, that you wouldn't even believe if you heard them. If you saw them, you wouldn't believe it. But the main thing getting in the way of those dreams coming to pass is you and your resistance to the Holy Spirit and me. Jesus is the smartest person in the universe and his way of living is the best way to live. Paying attention to him is just smart. It's wise. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's best for you. And you'll never be able to outgive him, just as Jesus says here in verse 25. Give him your heart. Give him your yes. Pay attention to his words and watch him blow your mind. Pay attention to Jesus this morning. If we can be a church of people who pays attention to Jesus, all bets are off. I believe we'll receive far more than we could ever give. We may keep giving and giving to kingdom builders and, and giving towards our community and trying to reach our friends. We'll feel like we're pouring it out, but, but God's gonna bring so much more back in return. As we obey, as we repent quickly of our sins, as we love each other, as we put other people first, as we eagerly listen to Jesus, we'll be able to be the people that God has called us to be. We'll be able to be the church that God has called us to be. And we're gonna each personally walk in life and freedom, and we'll be able to help other people walk in life and freedom as well. Okay, so this week, here's my encouragement. Pay attention to Jesus through times of quiet Bible reading and prayer where you're just with Jesus, listening to him, and write down what he says to do, and I'll add on to that. Do what he tells you to do. All right, let's stand to our feet right now. We're gonna pray. Prayer team's gonna be available up here. If you just wanna receive ministry, they are, are ready to pray with you. I pray that you would do that. Don't don't wait. If God's calling you to come up for prayer, these altars are open. We're going to sing a whole song here at the end. These altars are open. The prayer team is here. We want to respond to Jesus this morning. We don't want to resist him. We want to respond to him, okay? So uh, let's respond as a body here, and then we'll have some time of worship. So if you're here this morning and you just want to be a person that, that pays attention to Jesus, I want to give you a chance to just tell Jesus that. So can you just slip up your hand right now so I know who I'm praying for? Slip up your hand right now. You don't have to bow your heads, close your eyes, say, hey, I want to pay attention to Jesus. I got my hand up. I want to pay attention to Jesus.
All right, let's pray. Let's pray that God would help us because there's so many things that can distract us, right? All of us get distracted. So let's pray that God would help us to be a people who pay attention. So Jesus, right now we come to you and we ask you to help us pay attention to you or pay attention to you. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And God, we want to be a people who hear your voice. So help us to hear it and to listen. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, you can bow your heads and close your eyes now. I want to give a more intimate way to respond here that maybe feels a little more private in this moment. If you're here and you don't follow or you want and you walked away, I want to give you a chance to, to put your trust in Jesus this morning. I want to give you a chance to repent of your sins and to step into the new life that, that Christ has so what I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, just raise your hand to heaven, just letting Jesus know that that's you. So one, two, three, sit my ball across this room. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much. You can put your hands down. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of repentance and trust in Jesus. And you pray in your heart with me. So Jesus, right now we come to you. And God, for those who want to put their faith in you this morning, God, I pray that you would do a supernatural work that the old would be dead and gone and the new would come. God, I pray that you'd help us as we leave our life of sin and step into the new life that you purchased for us. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and take up residence on the inside of every person that is seeking you this morning. God, we put our trust in you and we receive your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.